Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. As delightfully fun as it is to speak uh, spitefully and antagonistically towards the rest of the online left, I feel like I do that enough, so I'm going to make a sincere effort to be as constructive as possible for this very brief refrain where I talk about, in large part, uh, my feelings on leftists who got all of this wrong. Uh, there was a delightful... Here, let me see if I can find it. I think it has copyright music, so I can't play it out loud, but I uh, feel like the sentiment can still be appropriately interpreted from the content uh, that you're seeing here on screen. Uh, a massive number of online lefties, some of whom, by the way, people for whom I have some degree... Not that guy. Other people whom I have some degree of respect uh, were very, very wrong about this. Incredibly, overwhelmingly wrong. Exceedingly wrong. Embarrassingly wrong. Now listen, I want to be clear about something, okay? My like um my problem here isn't that people didn't read the future correctly, okay? If you were incorrect about how the Ukraine thing would play out, is O Fortuna copyrighted? I genuinely don't know. I don't even want to risk it. I, I don't even it's YouTube. It's YouTube. I don't care. It's YouTube. Sometimes you cop they'll copyright you for whatever. I don't care. Shh. Anyway, um I'm not angry at anyone for um for, for not being able to accurately predict the future, okay? That is not that is not a reason why I am upset with anybody, okay? The issue is the attitude that people have taken. And to be frank, like, there are a ton of people in the online left. First of all, okay, all the people who fell for Russian propaganda on this, you did the Iraq war thing. You are no different from all of the dupes uh, in, in the liberal media who fell for the uh, media and government-pushed support for the Iraq war invasion. You are exactly the same. You listened to an authoritarian government, that, or at least a government that was in that instance acting in an authoritarian manner, an undemocratic manner, which the Bush administration certainly was when it lied about WMDs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you, 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 you fell for propaganda that was being manufactured in order to give a pretext for invasion that did nothing good and had no justification whatsoever. Um, you did the exact same thing. Now, there are different, there are different reasons why this can be bad if you're if you were just incorrect if you just predicted the future incorrectly i don't think that makes you a bad person okay the problem is a lot of people base their incorrect predictions off of trusting the russian government i have no idea what would lead any person in the left to trust the russian government every negative criticism you could make towards bias within american media is indicative a thousandfold for russian state media Seriously, I understand, and you know, I understand. Like th this is this is an issue of some contention for some groups. But if you can, by any objective metric, look at the lying taking place from Russian state media, it is overwhelming. Right now, Russian state propagandists are telling incompatible stories. Right now, some of them are saying there's no invasion. Some of them are saying that Ukraine is invading Russia. There are constant videos pr like showing false flags being made, some of them so laughably bad. What was what was the one from just the other day? I need to replay this again. Like, these are people paid directly by the Russian government. Do you think they're not getting direct instructions to lie? Do you think that it's just a coincidence that all of them... Oh, oh, oh. Uh, like a student film project. They're getting direct instructions from their bosses to lie about this stuff. The, what I'm saying isn't conspiracy. They've been doing this for decades. Nothing that I'm saying is new. If you're a leftist and you genuinely believe that the Russian government's uh, 
motivations should be taken straightforwardly, that their intentions should be interpreted straightforwardly and in good faith, I have no idea what you're doing, okay? Listen, I, I, I don't know how else to phrase this, okay? Believing, understanding that America is bad does not make you a leftist. That's like tier zero political analysis. It's nothing. It's it's so meaningless. It's, it's, it's absolutely nothing, okay? Understanding that... Uh, America bad and America do military war crime imperialism is about as foundational to a good political analysis as understanding that it's morally wrong to kill innocent people. It is such a foundational piece of information that without anything built up on top of it is essentially worthless because depending on who's saying who's innocent, anyone can use that information to their benefit. Everybody agrees killing innocent civilians is bad. Fucking Nazi Germany did. They just redefined what innocent civilian meant. These moral pretexts are worthless unless properly supported. And in this case, uh, is it true? Is it factually correct that America is an imperialist global hegemon that lies to support its own interests? Yes. Yes, it is. Objectively correct. You can, oh my God, that is so correct. Okay. However, here's something equally objectively correct. That fact has nothing to do with the situation. Not at all. Not even remotely. It is absolutely irrelevant to this situation. And bringing it up constantly when you're talking about Russia invading Ukraine is literally just doing a geopolitical all lives matter. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, you know, Russians are like killing Ukrainian civilians over nothing. But like, did you know that America's bad too? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Maybe you should repeat it in every single statement that you make for your entire life because you're so insecure about being conflated with a neocon because you disagree with something Russia did. It is insecurity, fundamentally, and it's one of the things that I've been talking about for a long time, an aesthetic obsession with leftism. Saying America didn't do anything wrong in this instance doesn't feel like a leftist thing to say, you understand? It doesn't, it doesn't vibe with that aesthetic. So insecurely, they feel a need to reaffirm the sincerity of their leftist positions by just inserting it at all times. In this case, it is not only pathetic, but harmful, because as I've said before, uh, a key component of Russian propagandizing here is that NATO extension was what led to them invading. First of all, NATO has clearly said they're not going to let Ukraine in, uh, 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 because of the situation going on there at the time, NATO was under no threat of accepting Ukraine and hasn't been for years. And Russia has been funding literal paramilitary groups in Ukraine for like eight years now. Th so the idea that this is the pretext they're basing this upon, absolutely not. NATO was still promising Ukraine the future. Wrong. You're falling for Russian propaganda. The only thing NATO is doing is saying they're not going to make an agreement with another country to deny a third country the ability to join NATO, which is totally reasonable. Why on earth would a defensive alliance agree to a country outside of that defensive alliance to not include a third country, that's not how this works. That's ridiculous. Russia's demands here are obscene. If Russia actually wanted this uh, with Ukraine, why not just uh, follow the Minsk agreements? You know, the accords they signed and then immediately didn't follow? Possibly. You know, if Russia actually wanted that, they could have signed a treaty with Ukraine um, and uh, gotten Ukraine to agree to never petition for support in NATO. But that would require a concession from Russia's part, which they were never willing to do, obviously. They've never given anything to Ukraine. All they've ever done is take and take and take. All you do by 
Talking about NATO as though it's even relevant to this question is bolster Russian propaganda, which then increases war support for Russian behavior domestically and abroad, which then leads further to the death of Ukrainian citizens. If you are at this point continuing to spout the NATO propaganda line, you are the same people who are saying that America's uh, fear of WMDs was legitimate. You are the same person who, even after being proven wrong, because Putin explained why he's invading Ukraine, it was blood and soil. He did a blood and soil speech. He talked about how Lenin made a mistake to give Ukraine back to Ukraine, and he wanted to rebuild the borders of the Russian Empire. Uh, that is a blood and soil speech. That is explicitly, directly blood and soil. If you look at that, if you look at Putin, a person who is verbatim repeating the logic of blood and soil, I, do, do the lefties even know what that means? Blood and soil, is this just like a term to them? Do they not know how that applies? The idea that nation states have a right to seize territory because their blood is our blood and we are of the same kind, that invasion is justified because of shared racial and ethnic hegemony? Exactly what Putin said. If you look at that speech of Putin's and go like, okay, well, like may maybe NATO expansionism had something to do, you're as much of a dupe as somebody watching a speech from Hitler and genuinely believing that like his invasion of Poland and shit was because like um of of like Jewish banking aggression or whatever. Like you'll fall for anything. You will fall for anything. You are continuing to espouse their propaganda after the fact. Oh, and by the way, there were plenty of people in the United States like that back during World War II. There were plenty of both sidesers. There were. There were people who were going, okay, what Hitler is doing is bad. Sure. Sure, it's bad, okay? However, who among us has not had problems with degeneracy and Jewish influence in our countries? That was a fairly common line. You guys know that, right? I'll wait for them to be done with uh, with the, the Amogus reference. But that was a fairly common sentiment. That wasn't like some, it wasn't like two guys said that. That was pretty, oh, you know, oh, I disagree with what he's doing, but, you know. And you know why they said that? They said that because um, they really didn't disagree with Hitler that much. They just knew it was kind of bad optics to full-facedly agree with him. So they had to back off that a little bit, you know. Um, go do, do the whole both sides route. Do the whole all lives matter route, which as we all know, all lives matter was just code for I support the police killing black people. This is an issue where lefties seem to be comfortable adopting it, like in a domestic sense, but like abroad they don't, and I just don't get it, okay? If you listen to a leader give a blood and soil speech and are still playing defense for their expressed propaganda-based reasons, not rooted in fact, uh, for why they're conducting an invasion, you cannot be a leftist. I'm sorry, you cannot be. I, this is too big of an issue, all right? Would you guys accept into the left people who shared most of your domestic positions but were aggressively in favor of the Iraq war? Personally, for me, I would consider that quite disqualifying. I would look at that and go, oh, okay, well, we may have agreed on some other stuff, but this is like, that that's really bad. That's actually incredibly, really bad. I don't understand people like Hassan, who claim that they've retracted a bunch of their positions after getting everything wrong, and then are still retweeting people like Aaron Mate, a, uh, uh, an asset for the Russian State Department, who has literally gone on uh, uh, United Nations meetings on behalf of Russia to defend them in their claim that Assad has not used chemical weapons attacks on their own people. I don't understand people on the left who are uh, using the Azov Battalion as some kind of attack against Ukraine when A, Russia has objectively a larger far-right militia force in the Wagner Group. B, both far-right parties combined in Ukraine got like a combined 2% of the vote, which wasn't enough to get a single parliament seat, I believe. And C, Ukraine is literally the least anti-Semitic country in all of Eastern Europe by this metric. 
In some countries in Central and Eastern Europe, roughly one in five adults or more say they would not accept Jews as fellow citizens. Ukraine right here has one of the largest Jewish populations in the world. 5%, which is still too many percent points of people who would not accept Jews as fellow citizens, mind you, um, compared to Russia's 14%. Armenia, while and over here with 32%. Jesus. Ukraine's current president uh, uh, is Jewish. Um, the people in Ukraine are more progressive on almost every front than Russia's. Putin gave a blood and soil speech before invading Ukraine. How can you possibly believe that Russia's invasion of Ukraine had anything to do with removing Nazis? Now that Russian forces have moved in, there are empirically more Nazis in Ukraine than there were before. The number has increased thus far. If Russia invaded, occupied Ukraine, and killed every member of the Azov Battalion, there would still be more Nazis because of the Russian soldiers now in Ukraine. Blood and soil. Blood and soil. Meanwhile, even though they are still relative to the United States, a conservative capitalist country, all of the official messaging from Ukraine's government has been perfectly in line with socialist values and ideals. How funny is that? Russia can't justify their invasion without invoking uh, essentially Nazi rhetoric. Uh, but Ukraine defending itself can appeal to broader uh, 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 political ideals. The right to sovereignty, you know, the right to, to the, the desire for peace, you know, uh, for a, 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 a reduction in aggressions. All of these comply perfectly with, you know, the uh, acceptable, at least in my mind, behavior from any socialist government. Russia cannot abide by these protocols because Russia is not only not a socialist government, they are a fascist government. Can you please explain blood and soil a bit more? Blood and soil is an imperialist pretext often used by fascist countries, not exclusively fascist, but overwhelmingly fascist, uh, as a way of invading neighboring countries and annexing territory because the people in those territories are of one blood, i.e. they're considered to be a portion of the same cultural, ethnic, religious, language, or racial group as the country doing the invasions. The problem with blood and soil, and this is all laid out perfectly in the UN Security Council speech given by Kenya's uh, diplomat, which was a spectacular speech that literally all of you should go watch, recording of me reacting to it, by which I mean silently watching it, is up on my second channel, or you can just Google Kenya UN speech. It was incredible. It was really, really, really good. Like, really, really good. And I'm normally bored by diplomat speeches, okay? I'm not like a policy wonk or whatever. It was a very good speech. But as he explained, and as is the case, the problem is, guys, nation states are bullshit. Borders are bullshit, okay? It does not matter what country you're talking about. Borders are never going to perfectly define clear distinctions between ethnic, religious, racial, cultural, whatever, between countries, okay? It will never happen. Um, and all countries that invoke blood and soil language do is use the pretext of ethnic unification as a way of justifying military imperialism. That is what Russia has done here. But Russia didn't simply, or sorry, Putin didn't simply just talk about taking the Donbass region because a lot of people there speak Russian, which they do. A lot of people there do speak Russian. He talked about rebuilding the Russian Empire. As we have seen in previous image comparisons, the Russian Empire's borders and the current country of Russia's borders are different. They are uh, different. They end in very different places. They would have to take quite a few Eastern European countries and more to bring that back. Yeah, that was a little bit beyond blood and soil. That was more blood and soil when convenient, but also we want to rebuild our national empire as a way of, you know, 
um, compensating for the humiliation we experienced when Lenin allowed for our country to be broken apart. Huh. Where have I, where have I heard that before? Uh, an authoritarian government using blood and soil to justify military pretexts, but also wanting aggression to be used as a way of hearkening back to imperial expansion while, you know, alluding to a greater time in the past. Hey, guys. It's Nazis. It's Nazis. And it's not a coincidence, by the way, that Dugan, uh, the preeminent founder of Nazbolism, as we understand it, uh, is one of the driving forces behind Russia's foreign policy. What he's written on, like, Russian national identity and their foreign policy. Uh, Alexander Dugan, right? Is it Dr or Dr? I forget if it's D-R or uh, D-E-R or D-R-E. Uh, I know Dugan is, is, the, is the last name. Um, anyway, um... Alexander, just an R, not even an E. Okay, Alexander Dugan, thank you. Um, uh, it's not it's not a coincidence that this guy is one of the um, one 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 of the most critical influencers of Russian foreign policy in terms of what he's written on and what should be done. Oh, he's a psychopath. He's not a Nazbel anymore. He's a neo Eurasianist. Uh, yeah, just like how Nazis aren't Nazis anymore, they're tradcons or paleocons or whatever else. Far-right groups are constantly redefining themselves as a way of avoiding the optical tension associated with the terminology they've ruined with their previous association. They've been doing this for ages and ages and ages. Even Hitler himself did it. There's a reason why Nazis have historically faked being socialists, you know, um, in order to appeal to working-class sentiment before, like, throwing the hood off, killing all the people in their party who actually believed in socialism. And just, uh, you know, doing the Nazi thing. Which also reminds me of a lot of behavior in the online left recently. Look, all I'm going to say is this, okay? There is no room in the left for people who hold water for a fascist, far-right, ethno-nationalist government. And by the way, as far as I'm concerned, invoking blood and soil as a pretext for invasion is a form of ethno-nationalism. So told because it is... I don't, I don't know what else I can say. It's literally ethno-nationalism. Both of the, the, the terms of that word there are very squarely you're using ethnicity as a as a as a determining force for um not just imperialist action but the authenticity of national inclusion um and if you don't think that a full russian program a full reconquest of the uh borderlines of the previous empire wouldn't include the ethnic oppression of groups they didn't like as much then you're a f***ing fool because stalin did that shit too and so did lenin uh look authoritarian authoritarianism is bad okay guys just capping this off, all right? I, 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 I've said this in the past before about Bernie or Bust, but this issue is much more severe to me, okay? I, I now, with all the power vested in me, okay? I cast, I condemn to an internal blight everyone in the online left who was wrong on this and who does not see the ways, the, the error of their ways, okay? An eternal blight upon all of them, all right? Uh, may they rot. I will not work with these people. I will not speak well of these people. Uh, they are at, at most capable of being useful idiots in the future. Uh, but this is, this is ridiculous. I cannot f***ing believe this is the position we're in right now, as people on the left, like, oh, you know, yeah, he, like, gave a defense for the fascist government doing an invasion in order to, like, push out the boundaries of their ethnic conquest of a former empire, but, like, you know, they like, they want Medicare for all. Well, I don't f***ing care if they want Medicare for all, if they're siding with fascist imperial. I, you know... That's disqualifying. I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Jesus. 
and this what I'm doing right now is considered a hot take, by the way. You know, I this is this is me being antagonistic. Hey guys, I don't think the left should allow for fascist apologia. Oh, uh, you know. Oh, we've uh, so into oh you know, what a drama bait, you know. Okay, whatever. Hello to every viewer who considers my input worth their time, and uh, an especially uh, friendly and welcoming hello to every Ukrainian who happens to be watching. I hope you're doing well. Um, though if you have time to watch me, it's probably something you could be doing. No, no, you know what? You know what? If you're in a country that's being invaded by a fascist imperialist uh, wannabe empire, I think you have a right to take your time off however you like. Whatever the case may be, <clears throat> strained intros aside, sorry, I can't stream today. But I can speak, briefly. I have been doing as good of a job as I can, uh, keeping up with the news. And I want to explain to you, in as brief a time as possible, why I think Russia is dramatically underperforming at the beginning of this fight. Um, and I think it's critical that this be understood, okay? Now, given the massive disparity in troop numbers and equipment between Russia and Ukraine, even after uh, NATO and the West broadly gave weapons to Ukraine. I don't think anyone expected Ukraine was going to just beat back Russia in this fight. In fact, I still don't believe that. I fully expect that at some point in time, Russia will have full control over the Ukrainian territory. Obviously, I hope this is not the case, but it is something for which I am emotionally prepared, and I imagine there are contingencies in place uh, uh, in Ukraine to prepare for such an eventuality as well. I do not think, however, that that would be a long-lasting state of affairs. Uh, I think that despite initial estimations heavily favoring Russians, things have gone remarkably poorly for them in the opening days of this war. And I want to explain why briefly, okay? So I've talked about this many times in my stream because we've talked about insurrectionary activity before, but invading a territory and occupying a territory are two enormously different things. Invading a territory is comparatively easy. You sweep through, you destroy any mil military equipment, troops, installations that you find, and that's it. That's the point, right? I mean, you know, it's over and done, right? How long did the invasion of Iraq take place? I mean, what, like a month? The occupation of Iraq took much, much longer than that. Uh, so too, of course, with the occupation of Ukraine. And it is an occupation, I think, that Russia was expected to see its greatest difficulties. And yet, they're facing difficulties now. I mean, we're only a few days into the full-on invasion, and there have already been significant setbacks. So first, I want to talk logistically. Now, I'm sure more stuff has come out that I don't know about, like... This is a moment-by-moment -moment affair. The last news that I got caught up on was the report that a fully loaded Russian IL-76 carrying a landing force south of Kiev was downed. Uh, a, a sunflower garden is planted. <laughs> um, that is quite a loss for the Russians. Tremendously so. Especially since initially Russia bragged that in the first 24 hours they had disabled all of Ukraine's air defenses. That was something they had announced, you know, we have destroyed their air defensive capabilities, we have achieved total air superiority, and yet multiple uh, uh, rockets, drones, missiles, uh, planes, whatever, bogies, were uh, intercepted above Kiev last night 
and we have multiple reports of Russian aircraft still being downed. Additionally, uh, NATO has pledged to commit additional anti-air armaments to Ukraine, uh, and I believe Biden is requesting an additional $6 billion in aid. So in terms of their anti-air capabilities, not only are they going to get more, it seems like Russia just... I know you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> you're, you're you're gonna you're gonna tell me I'm crazy. Russia might have lied about taking out Ukraine's anti-air capabilities. I didn't think they'd be around this long. Legit, I thought in like 16 hours after the uh, invasion began properly, it would just be like every airfield across Ukraine would just be dust, you know. Um, but no, uh, Russia failed to take the big airport outside of Kiev, which is the reason the city's held for this long. You know, they dropped paratroopers in, which were then beaten back by, um, by, by Ukrainian armed forces. They weren't able to get reinforcements in time. Um, we've seen missile strike, uh, foot, like, uh, 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 pictures of damage to airfields where Russia claimed they'd annihilated the airbase. And maybe some of Ukraine's forces or, uh, uh, equipment there was damaged, but not all of it, not even close. They overestimated or... I mean, they like lying, too. And Ukraine is doing surprisingly well on that front. I want to do my, my John Madden bit really quickly. Last night, when I was streaming, you know, we were breathlessly awaiting an anticipated uh, missile salvo to hit Kiev, a bombing run. I mean, th that was the initial uh, report. It was a bombing run was going to hit Kiev. And we have reports that armored columns were moving in from the northeast and the northwest. The plan seemed pretty simple, right? You bomb the hell out of Kiev. Uh, and then, uh, after doing so, softening them up, you send in armored columns from the east and the west to take the city. That's... I, I'm not a four-star general, but that seems like a thing that could happen. That seems like a, a not altogether too unlikely plan, but it didn't happen. And I think it didn't happen for a couple of reasons. First of all, clearly, Ukraine still has some anti-air capabilities because they were shooting down, uh, uh, you know, Russian, uh, uh, you know, um air assets over Kiev. Uh, we actually saw that happen live, which was pretty wild. And additionally, the tank battalion stalled last night. They weren't able to make it to Kiev in time because uh, Ukrainian armed forces have been giving them hell. It's not easy to move an armored brigade through Ukraine, you know? The ground is marshy and the roads are, uh, you know, abated with bridges every 500 feet. We've had these incredible stories of heroism come out as well. I'm sure many of you have heard this one in particular, which is heartbreaking, but I mean, honest to God, what a way to go. To stop the advance of the tank column, the decision was to blow up the Henishisk Bridge. The engineer Skakun Vitali volunteered to perform this task. He mined the bridge, but couldn't leave and blew it up together with himself. The unit successfully redeployed from the Ukrainian land forces. This guy... This fucking guy rigged the bridge with explosives, couldn't get out in time, and blew them while he was still on the bridge. I mean, this is... I apologize for sounding like a teenager, but this is badassery on the level of, like, exaggerated movie heroism. It's ridiculous. This guy's going to be known as a war... This guy's name is going to be remembered. He's going to be remembered as a war hero for, for, for centuries. He's a part of the Ukrainian mythos now. There have been so many stories, so many narratives out of this, which have been phenomenal for Ukrainian morale. That's the thing that I think is really, listen, eventually, and I mean, it's already happened really, but eventually Kiev is going to fall. I mean, as in like the beginning of the process, right? Eventually Russian forces will overwhelm, but 
Occupying a territory is difficult, and the main thing that you want when you occupy a territory is for the population to be fearful, to be demoralized, you know, to feel like there's nothing they can do. And the Ukrainians hate Russia. All reports of what's going on over there indicate a degree of moral assuredness which guarantees they will be fighting to the man drawing to their last breath to 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 kill as many russian occupiers as they can you know of course um we went over this but for any who have not been lucky enough to hear the glorious final words of the uh, 13 brave ukrainian soldiers who occupied snake island that's quite loud a Russian ship approaches, demanding the 13 men on this island surrender, or they will open fire. Do you copy? Should I tell him to go f*** himself? Go fuck yourself. Those 13 men are dead. And they died heroes. This is... This is the problem with occupying territory. Uh, when you make martyrs of every brave man and woman you kill along, and non-binary, they, them soldiers, you kill along the way, all you do is embolden the next wave of, um, uh, you know, the next wave of insurgents to rise up against you. And that's not to speak as though the Ukrainian armed forces are down to a man. They're not. There are still hundreds of thousands of them armed and ready to fight. But the civilians are going to fight too, you know. Uh, they are just passing guns out, just passing guns out to Ukrainian civilians in Kiev right now. Just you just go over to an army office, you know. Hey, I fucking hate Russia, and they'll just they'll just give you a gun. Why not? Just hand one over. Whatever the standard service rifle in Ukraine is, whatever NATO gave them, you know, they just it goes straight from NATO, you know, to the border of Poland, brought into Kiev to the army office, and directly into the hands of civilians who want to take a shot. Okay, and I can't imagine. Being a Russian infantryman moving through Kiev. I mean, just imagine, okay? Kiev's a modernized city, big apartment buildings. You're rolling through in your APC, looking at all those apartment windows, hundreds of them, thousands of them, which are capable of seeing you. You know there are rifles trained on you. Those f***ers are going to have to keep their heads down the entire time they're in the city because people are going to be taking shots at them every time. These people, these soldiers are going to have to piss in cans in their APCs. They are not going to be able to leave. They are not going to be able to step outside. They are going to get ruined. Morale is the name of the game here for any, you know, matter of occupation. And it's not as though there aren't enough weapons to go around in Ukraine to facilitate a meaningful defense. Between the additional weaponry they're getting, between the fact that we already have like half a dozen Ukrainian war heroes and stories of success, uh, between that, the fact that, you know, we have uh, reports of, uh, uh, you know, um, groups of Russian soldiers who basically just surrendered because they weren't even told they were fighting a conflict. Russian soldiers being filmed saying, we shouldn't be here. You know, this was a mistake. I don't want to be here. It has been optics win after optics win. And in this case, you know, oh, optics, whatever. Optics is critical when you are trying to mobilize a population to defend their territory, to, 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 to tell them that it's, you know, that it's worth still fighting. And it is still worth fighting. Russia must be made to bleed for what they have done. The, the, the great threshing machine of their wannabe empire must break 
against the unyielding sunflower uh, field um, of Ukraine. Uh, it, it, it must be annihilated. There can, there can be no alternative. Russia's not going to give up. You think, you think, they're, going to, you th you think they're going to give up? Like Putin's going to go like, oh, I made a mistake, walk back. No, no, no. It is going to be a miserable bloodbath. And I do not celebrate the bloodbath. I celebrate only the ability of the people of Ukraine to defend themselves against fascist occupation. That is what I celebrate. And to that end, I will not euphemize this, you know. I will not liberalize this. Oh, I don't like the violence, you know. I just like the, I like the idea of everyone getting along. Well, the only way for people to get along in this case is for Russia to leave. And Russia will not leave unless their soldiers are made to pay dearly for the mistakes their leaders have forced them into making. It is unfortunate we live in a world where things are done that way. But that is the world that we live in. And as long as that is the world we live in, Glory be to every Ukrainian Armed Forces member with a javelin. Glory be to every Ukrainian citizen holding a rifle for the first time in their life, clumsily lining up a shot from the window of a Kiev apartment. I wish all of them the best of luck and the greatest of aim. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future of this conflict, and I understand everyone's anxieties on this. I understand people's anxieties in the rest of the world because they are concerned about the nuclear ramifications. Conflict? between NATO and Russia, though I don't think things will go to that point. I understand and I sympathize with those concerns. Uh, I understand and sympathize with even the concerns of people who sympathize with the Russian soldiers. I do as well. A lot of these are just scared, desperate boys. There are photos of captured Russian troops. These are like pasty 18-year-olds, okay? They should, be, they should be playing Dota 2, okay? They should be kicking my ass in CSGO. Uh, rather than getting their ass kicked by, um, you know, invisible Ukrainian infantrymen in ghillie suits wandering around 500 meters away in a, in a marshy brush before firing a javelin missile at their tank. But that's not the world that we live in. And the faster this conflict is over, the sooner the Russian soldiers who were not responsible for this incursion get to go home. There are protests taking place right now in Russia. Thousands of Russians have been arrested for protesting uh, against the war, uh, charges are being brought against them quickly. They are going to try to get this done open and shut. That's been the whole game plan for Russia. Open and shut, you know. Uh, massive missile strikes, invasion from every angle into Ukraine, go into Kiev, cut off the head, kill Zelensky, install a puppet gun, you know, whatever, do anything, get it over with quickly, because the economic and political consequences of prolonged conflict are ruinous for Russia. And they have so far been ruinous for Russia. And Ukraine, both its armed forces and its civilians, have given every indication that they will continue to be ruinous for Russia. And that, I think, is glorious. And I, again, am sincerely impressed. I, I believe at this moment, at least per, per my guesses, my uninformed guesses, Ukraine has exceeded my estimation of what was possible in the opening days of a war against a vastly superior military force that has them surrounded almost literally from every direction. Uh, keep the morale game up, okay? Be, be optimistic. Celebrate every landing cruiser that's downed, every Russian helicopter that gets atomized in the sky, every Javelin missile that turns a uh, T-72 tank into a flaming heap of metal. Celebrate all of these things. Not because you value the violence, but because you value the effectiveness 
with which the Ukrainian people are protecting themselves against the onslaught of fascism. And because, you know what? Frankly, to be perfectly forthcoming, I think they could use it too. I'm sure Ukrainian armed service personnel and Ukrainian citizens are like. I, they've got smartphones, you know, they're looking on. And it does warm my heart a little bit. The idea, you know, even if their city's getting bombed, the idea of them looking online and going, oh, okay, well, here's like 8 million people celebrating a Russian ship that got down, you know, or like a, a plane that got down. You know, here's, here's, here's them eulogizing and glorifying our war heroes. You know, here's them celebrating our victories, praising our anti-tank divisions. You know, I imagine that feels pretty good for them. And I imagine that helps keep the morale up. So keep at it and be well. I will be back on streaming as soon as I can. Take care. So my impression of Russia's political demographics has led me to believe that they are generally pretty favorable towards Russian imperialism. Uh, it seems as though in the past, at least, Putin's approval rating has gone up after he successfully, you know, after the annexation of Crimea, I think uh, after the Georgian invasion as well, they just seem to like that. Now, I want to be clear about something, okay? Russians are just people. They are, no, they are not unique in any respect, no more bloodthirsty or violent than any other group of people. Uh, the Russian people are perhaps the greatest victims of Putin's regime, you know? Obviously, right now, our sympathy should be with Ukraine, but imagine living in Russia. They have to deal with Russian occupation forever. Uh, what a nightmare. Russians are bombarded nonstop with, uh, with Russian propaganda. Uh, the, state the, the state media um, very carefully controls the narrative produced by the Kremlin. Uh, the level of propagandistic narrative control they experience is incomparably greater to what we experience. A degree, of course, of manufactured consent is present in all media, in all governments, in all countries. But Russia really is something else. And that is why it is so incredibly special to see genuine anti-war protests breaking out in Ukraine. Uh, sorry, not Ukraine. Of course they're in Ukraine. In Russia! Pushkin Square, right outside the Kremlin. Right outside the Kremlin. Uh, we, we There was a video in... Um, in St. Petersburg as well. Over a thousand people have been detained in Pushkin Square protests. Oh, these people are all going to get arrested. Make no mistake, these people are absolutely getting arrested. Where was the, um, where was the one in St. Petersburg? Did I not retweet? Oh, here we go. No, that's Moscow. I'm a fool. Thousands and thousands of people across Russia. I just want everyone to understand that there is nothing essentialist about um give me give me the um uh give me the St. Petersburg protest. This is um Kaliningrad's Victory Square.
I want to commend the overwhelming bravery of any anti-war protesters uh, who are um, speaking in Russia right now, uh, because the Russian government will just kill protesters. It's not like they don't do that. People get yoinked and people get killed. Here we go. Ah, oh, what a beautiful protest. Look at that. This is Putin's hometown. This is one of the reasons why it is so essential that Western lefties shut the fuck up and stop justifying or giving pretext to the invasion which is taking place. Because when Russians go online, they don't just see RT propaganda, they see the world speak. And when they are seeing the defenses laid out by the Kremlin reflected in non-Russian-backed media entities around the world, this dis discourages them from engaging in the behavior which is most likely to save lives, which is to protest against Putin's fascist warmongering. It is absolutely essential that the narrative on this be as clear as possible. Uh, and that is that there is no justification whatsoever for this war. There is no legitimacy to the propaganda which has been used as a pretext to instigate it. and. Uh, 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 that peacekeeping uh, is, is the shared, or at least should be the shared goal of all people um, in the world right now. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's important to understand, outside of all of the nationalist posturing, of course, um, as a person with, at the very least, anarchist sentiments, nation-states are despicable things that do despicable things. Um, you know, they make monsters of many people. Even the Russian soldiers who are now invading Ukraine, I feel sympathy for them, I do. I still want them to be absolutely vaporized uh, by, um, you know, uh, Ukrainian-owned Javelin missiles. Don't get me wrong, I maintain consistency in this respect. But I still feel bad for them. Because what are they not? A bunch of snot-nosed 18-year-olds? Seriously, these Russian conscripts. In a, in a better world, in a better country, they could have been doing anything else. They could have been artists or filmmakers. They could have been engineers. They could have been doctors. Uh, but they were born uh, into a country with few economic opportunities, a country with rampant government-controlled propaganda um, that, uh, that, is, that has compelled them through direct or indirect coercion uh, to fight in a war effort which will bring ruin to themselves and to others. A miserable affair. And I hope everyone understands this. There is nothing essentialist about my condemnations or critiques. Every Russian citizen who supports the war effort against Ukraine is a person who was misled by Russian propaganda. Every single Russian soldier who puts a bullet through the skull of a Ukrainian civilian is a person who, in another better life, might have been doing something productive with themselves. Uh, it, is, it is deeply tragic uh, 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 what the powers that be motivate people beneath them to do. And I want everyone to understand that. This this mindset, this attitude, what I'm talking about right now is how you uh, ethically support people in any conflict. You must understand there is no circumstance by which this attitude should not be applied. It is the only humane way of addressing problems such as these. So please always keep that in your mind. Always, always, always.
I missed a class, I think. What does essentialist mean? In this respect, by do not engage in essentialism, I mean don't ascribe characteristics as a fundamental part of a person's behavior. People are what they are because they were led to that position. And people who are in one life Nazis may have in another life been communists. People who are in one life soldiers for Russia might have in another been soldiers for Ukraine. It's not about who or what they are. It's about what they were made to be, where they were led, and people can always change. And I know right now that if this does lead to some massive awakening in Russia, if this does lead to some significant anti-government sentiment, and maybe things do change positively 10, 20 years down the line, maybe they think of Ukraine the same way many people in America today think of Iraq. Actually, there are a great many people, I think, who could do to be quite a bit more um, ashamed of the perspectives that they've had in Ukraine. Speaking of uh, people who have come to regret the, uh, the, uh, the Iraq war. All right, most of the coverage that I've done thus far of the Ukraine situation has been relegated primarily to the live stream, which means that not much of it has been put on the actual YouTube channel, which is unfortunate because most of the people who watch me watch me through the YouTube videos. I want to talk very briefly about what has happened so that everyone who doesn't watch my live streams can be caught up in a uh, fairly pointed manner, okay? So <clears throat> basically, here's the situation, all right? I'm going to catch you up with the broadest possible strokes, just in case anyone hasn't been following all the developing information. There's a lot of nuance to this that I can't go over in detail, at least not for this little bit. You really should be watching the streams here. Um, first of all, uh, Ukraine is a country, used to be part of the USSR. Now, it isn't the part of the USSR. Russia has, for a long time, considered it kind of, sort of, you know, Russia... Russian territory. Um, there have been numerous political problems uh, which have drawn as a product of that, but this became most notable when after the ousting of an autocratic and uh, uh, pro-Putin leader in Ukraine uh, in 2014, um, Russia began to fund Russian separatists in a portion of the Donbass region. Uh, the Donbass region uh, uh, describes the um, Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts, these provinces on the eastern side of the country, uh, e about here. Um, now, obviously, because Russia is all the way over here, you know, to the east, the people on the eastern side of Ukraine are, um, well, more amenable to Russian influence, at least a little bit. We'll never know how amenable they actually are, because uh, Russia began to fund separatist groups in the, um, the Donbass region. Uh, and as a product of this, there has now been an eight-year-long proxy war between Russian-backed separatist groups. Full-on backed, by the way. Russia has given them military equipment. They have fired rockets uh, into... Um, into civilian areas in uh, in Ukraine. I mean, this is a this is a full on incursion disguised as an authentic uh, grassroots separatist movement, and that conflict has been broiling for about eight years. There have been efforts made to stabilize the conflict. Uh, the Minsk agreements are the most 
commonly referred to proposed diplomatic solution. There was Minsk 1, and then it was so good they wanted a sequel, Minsk 2. Actually, the first one was really bad. That's why they wanted the second one. Whatever the case may be, neither agreement was actually followed. It would have uh, required a degree of political autonomy for the Donetsk and Luhansk regions, which is something Russia wants, because that degree of autonomy would have allowed them greater political control over the area. But one of the preconditions for the Minsk agreements uh, to actually be followed would be both people, both groups, sorry, pulling troops out of the conflict region which Russia never did. In fact, very shortly after Minsk II passed it, uh, Russian-backed separatists took a f***ing town. They took a town. So not only after the attempts at diplomacy did Russia ignore the necessary preconditions for, um, for, for peace, they uh, uh, flew in their face entirely and full-on sieged a city. <clears throat> took it, too. Anyhow... This sort of proxy war has been going on for about eight years, up until a couple of months ago, where Russia has been building up troops at the border of Ukraine, uh, having troops in Belarus as well, bringing troops to Crimea, an area of Ukraine that was annexed in the past, you down here, essentially getting the full surround, okay? All of my RTS friends can appreciate the, uh, the, the care and strategy that has gone into Russia's almost inevitable attempt at yoinking the entirety of Ukraine. So basically, people have seen the writing on the wall for a long time now, and what people have done with this information has been incredibly revealing. A great portion of the online left has decided that Russia's decades of separatist uh, funding, their decades of pro-annexation rhetoric in their media, and their military buildup on the borders of Ukraine from all sides mean nothing and that it's all just a huge meme. Obviously, of course, it wasn't a huge meme. Uh, because just a few days ago, the invasion actually began. Uh, Russia declared uh, that they were recognizing the independence of the Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts. Now, by recognize the independence here, what he actually means is, I, Russia, am now declaring that a portion of Ukraine is not actually Ukraine. <clears throat> you, uh, you can't actually do that. That's not actually a thing you can do. Uh, you, you can't actually do that. But of course, now that in the Russian pretext, this is no longer a part of Ukraine, he immediately sent troops into that portion of the Donbass um, to, you know, defend them. One of the central claims in Russian propaganda is that the Donbass region is uh, going to be genocided by Kiev, by the actual Ukrainian capital, and that Russia's involvement there is a defensive measure to protect the innocent Russian-speaking citizens in that portion of Ukraine. Now, there's no evidence of a genocide ramping up. There has historically been some degree of discrimination against the people in this portion of Ukraine, and that is reprehensible on the part of Ukraine's government. I will not defend it. However, the claims of a full-on genocide have never been substantiated. But of course, Russia doesn't care. They march troops into the Donbass region, um, <clears throat> saying that, uh, you know, they're here to protect people. And here's the thing, okay? <clears throat> God help me. The area um, that separatists control in East Ukraine is about yay big. Uh, this is not a good uh, map drawing of what area they control. Just work with me here, okay? It's about yay big, okay? Russian separatists are all up in here, okay? Here's the issue. The area that Russia declared was independent is about yay big. Which means that all along this border right here are Ukrainian armed forces. So when Russia moves in to defend the independent provinces of Duha, um, <clears throat> Donetsk and Luhansk, 
Uh, what happens when we encounter Ukrainian armed forces? Well, my guess was that Russia was going to use the separatist-controlled territory as a staging ground, and then when the time was right, they were going to begin shelling Ukraine, bombs, missiles, rockets, artillery, from every possible direction. Because we know they have artillery all over here, all over the place, and a superior air force. We know they have troops built up in Crimea, we know they control the Sea of Azov, they can come in from every possible angle, except basically for Poland. Here's, here's the one safe zone, and even that's not really that safe. You understand? Now, I actually ended up being wrong here. Russia ended up being more aggressive than I expected them to. Rather than using the separatist-controlled region as a staging ground while softening up Ukraine with artillery and missile fire, uh, they just decided to do the invasion full on. Just, we have reports of Russian troops moving in from everywhere, basically, and we have uh, rocket attacks, missile strikes, and Russian planes flying over pretty much all of Ukraine. Uh, they've bombed the capital already. They sent uh, troops and uh, uh, to try to take the airport outside Kiev. Though, as I understand it, currently, at least most recently, the Ukrainian armed forces claims they've reclaimed the airport outside Kiev. That would be nice. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll update you guys on that shortly. Um... Basically, this is a this is a full-on invasion, just a full-on 100%. We are seizing the entirety of the territory invasion. That was a mistake, Vosh. They corrected it. No news is good news. So <clears throat> here's the position that we're at right now. The most recent information that I have is that they've taken Chernobyl. So soon Russia will unleash all of the mutagenic horrors that uh, Ukraine has spent the past, uh, you know, uh, decades uh, 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 cramming down into the, the, you know, the dungeons beneath Chernobyl. So we'll see how that goes. Um, in terms of the state of the actual war effort in Ukraine presently, this is my impression for what is going to happen moving forward, okay? And my, my interpretation of events thus far, okay? Russia's behavior here seems to indicate a level of desperation that exceeds the level of desperation I thought they were acting on. Everything Russia has done reeks of desperation. What they're doing right now is attempting essentially a blitzkrieg. Uh, they are attempting to rapidly and as painlessly as possible demoralize the Ukrainian people with a, a strike across the breadth of the country, cut off everything, destroy everything, you know, the last thing they want is a prolonged occupation because that would go very poorly for them. I do not think they have the capacity for this blitzkrieg to succeed. Uh, recently, the top general of Ukraine has claimed that their day one blitzkrieg has failed. Um, I hope this continues to be the case because the longer this drags out, the better things are going to go for Ukraine. As America has learned many times over, um, Dest uh, destroying territory is easy. Defeating armies on the field, that's easy. Occupying territory is hard, incredibly difficult, overwhelmingly difficult. America has the strongest military on earth, and we can't do it particularly well. Russia's military is not up to snuff compared to ours, and Ukraine is a thousand times more defensible than Afghanistan was. Ukraine has far more mobilized troops, far more equipment, far more armor, far more soldiers, far more training than Afghanistan did. And Russia's military is not ours. The longer an occupation gets dragged out, the worse this is going to be for Russia. And they have every reason to expedite this process as quickly as they can because their stock market... <laughs> 
their stock market has um <clears throat> has taken note of their behavior uh as it turns out it's really really bad for the global economy to be a warmongering fascist tyrant um their stocks have plummeted this is actually one of the um worst stock crashes as i understand it can anyone correct me on this in all of recorded history one of the worst in all of recorded history uh, a, a drop of around i think 30 to 40 percent um in the in the russian ruble-based stock market the o uh, the moex <clears throat> which is uh you know um <laughs> which is spectacular let me see if i can get moex uh russian index 2022 data give me that line i want to see line go down okay Oh, yeah. That's what I like to see, folks. Oh, that is just... Woo! That is just beautiful. That is what I like to see. Oh, look. Oh, my... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at the red. Sell, 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 sell. Um, the, uh, uh, the Kremlin has already made efforts to prevent the freefall of their stock market by doing several market freezes, but... There's only so much you can do. This is what I mean, by the way, about a global economy being the best way of preventing um, uh, uh, aggressive military action between countries that have trade interdependence. Um, you know, uh, Russia, Russia's economy is pretty goddamn dependent on countries that do not want it to do invasions. Uh, no matter how much they distance themselves from that, it's it's it's. It is a difficult problem to overcome, and uh, they are going to suffer tremendously for it. And I hope they do. Uh, they need to. Uh, they need to bear the brunt of the consequences. Uh, it is absolutely necessary that they do so. Uh, anyway, I just want to talk about how the war effort will progress from this point forward. So there are basically three directions that this can take. Okay, the first one is the hopelessly optimistic one where Russia realizes they're in over their head and they 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 pull back. This is this this is ridiculous. This would be a ridiculous uh the, the ridiculous level of hopium. Uh, unfathomable almost. The idea that this government would would like would do that. No. I don't think so. Barely even worth discussing, but it's not impossible. So there you go. The second possibility, the one that I think is most likely is that um Russia is going to continue this war of incredible aggression with more and more prolonged anti-civilian bombing runs, uh, going to try and occupy as much territory as possible and bleed his empire dry in the process. Um, the third option is the one which actually works out in favor of Russia, one which is still not tremendously to their favor, but they do succeed in effectively pacifying the region. My guess is that the second option is most likely by far. This is going to be a horrendously destructive conflict. And I feel as though there's very little we can do right now, except as people who are presumably in the West. I know some Ukrainians are watching right now. I am not Ukrainian, tragically. You know, Ukrainian in spirit, Polish, Irish, and blood. Um, as people who are watching, the best thing we can do is attempt to facilitate a positive... Um, a, a, a positive political environment for the support of Ukrainian people. So that is what we need to focus on. Uh, 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 but in the meantime, as I speak right now, moment to moment, as I draw breath, uh, people are fighting and dying in Ukraine. There are soldiers exchanging fire right now with Russian intruders into their country. So all support to them as much as we can.